Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast, where our mission is leading people to find and follow Jesus. We're thrilled that you are here, and it's our hope that this message will lead you to find and follow Jesus. Amazing. Great job. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to turn to two or three people, welcome them, and then give them your prediction about the 49ers next week, okay? All right? Just tell them what you think is going to happen. All right? Just, just tell them. Tell them your prediction about the Niners. Welcome some people. Once you gave your prediction or you said hello to somebody, then find a seat. There we go. That's an easy way to get people in church talking. I don't want you to just come to church and see a church of friendly people. I want church to be a church of friends. And there is a difference. I want you to be able to encourage somebody to know their story, to be able to uh, speak into their life and give them the encouragement that they need. So it's more than just being friendly. It's being a church of friends. Well, I want to dive into John chapter number 13. So if you have a copy of God's word, you can go to John 13. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one on your way out. See any of our volunteers, we'd love to give you a copy of God's word, as well as the scripture will be up on the screen. And once again, thank you so much for being here. It means a ton that you would take time out of your weekend to be in our service. Today is a great day for several different reasons. And one of them is because I love this passage that we're going to teach on. It's such a big truth comprised in just some simple scriptures, and I can't wait to dive in. But before we dive in, I really have to preface this by saying nine and a half years ago, before our church launched, somebody asked me, why does San Jose need another church? Because I did a Google search 10 years ago, and I, and I checked out how many churches were in San Jose. At the time, there were 3,800 and something churches in San Jose. So somebody asking me, why does San Jose need another church? I said, that's a good question, because there's a lot of churches. And in 3,800 churches, you, you would think they got it covered. You would think they got it covered. But then I looked at the growing statistic of the amount of people that don't attend any church, want nothing to do with church, was huge in the Bay Area. Only 3% of the Bay Area's 8.2 million people have anything to do with any type of religious gathering. We're one of the most unchurched areas. And, and, and it's bigger than that. For me, I looked at the fact that I didn't just want to fill buildings. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted people's lives to be different. I wanted them to find hope in hopeless. I wanted them to find the ability to be inspired when they feel like I'm ready to be done. I wanted them to have a future that they knew that there was a hope outside of just this life, that they had a hope hereafter. I wanted them to know that there's a God that loves them in spite of whatever's happened to them, whatever they've been through, whatever they've experienced, that there is a God who loves them. And I want it to be a tangible proof of God's love. John Maxwell, the leadership guru, has this great quote, and I love it. He said, touch a heart before you ask for a hand. And that's kind of been one of the themes of our church. We've just tried to touch lives, make a difference, 
It's why the very early years, our church would take what little money we have and we would say, okay, what outreach can we do? How many Christmas trees can we buy for the holidays? Uh, how many bicycles can we assemble and put together? And many of you helped assemble one weekend, 185 bicycles to give away. I mean, we've just done backpack drives. We packed out stadiums because we want to make a difference. And ultimately, it's so that we can tell them that there's a God who loves them. That's the ultimate goal. And so to do that was part of the reason why I said we need another church. Yes, there are churches doing that, but there's so much work to be done. There's room for one more church that loves the city of San Jose. And that's been our goal, is to simply love this city and to make a difference. And so as we dive in, one of the culture marks of our church was that we'll do anything for people just about. So I remember one year we had ordered Christmas trees to give away. It was 2017. At the time, we were meeting at the Southside Community Center. Let me see how many visited the church in the community center. Come on. Yep, there you go. That community center was hilarious, by the way. I mean, that was, that was, that was awesome. Uh, they had a remodeling on the restrooms one time. And so they put a porta potty right by the entrance. And it was, that, that was awesome. That, that was just, that, it just, you just, you heard everything. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It's like, how are you doing? You know, and then just, you know, somebody walked out of the, hey, all right. You know, and uh, shake their hand. You know, you just, you, sanitizer, you know, you do all that. It was just, it, it was wild. And then uh, we would come in on a Sunday morning, but the community center was really cheap to rent out. And so I kid you not, Peter, you'll love this. Every Sunday morning, the floor smelled like Modelo. Every Sunday morning, okay? It was like every Sunday morning we were mopping that floor because you could tell somebody just took the leftover Modelo bottle and just spread it everywhere. And we would be mopping the floor. We'd be cleaning it. And we had a whole team that would get there early setting up. Well, we were setting up one Saturday before our big outreach. And we had ordered 350 Christmas trees. We'd got them fresh cut from Oregon. The truck driver's going to bring them, deliver them. And we had families that were going to pick up these Christmas trees. And then we got a call Saturday night that the truck driver had reached his hours because he got stuck in the past and they can only be on duty for so many hours. And I was like, what are we going to do? And I looked at some of our volunteers and some remember Mike Wallace, he stepped up and he said, I'll get in a truck and I'll drive up there. And Oscar Al, he said, I'll go with them. Jared Craig said, I'll go. Josh Wallace, Mike Wallace's son, said he'll go. And then DJ Curtis, he had somebody that he had hired that he jumped in the truck, and they all drove through the night, picked up 350 Christmas trees, drove back just in time for our service that morning because they went up to Reading, and they pulled in the parking lot just as the service was about to start so we could deliver trees because that's the heartbeat of our church. Our church just says that's what we do. We just care about people. It's just part of who we are. You say, well, where does that come from? Well, it comes from John 13. And so I'm going to ask you out of respect for the word of God, would you mind standing just for a moment? I'm just going to read a few verses, beginning in John 13. Verse number one, it says this. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. 
Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word. I pray this morning that this word would be a help. I pray that it would stir us and challenge us. I pray that we would take this example and that we'd live it out. Would you bless the reading and would you bless the hearer? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want to say this simply. Saved people should serve people. Saved people should serve people. You and I, if we have made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of our life, then there's been a difference that's been made in our life. And that difference is so that we live differently. And I know not all who serve are saved, but everyone who is saved is called to serve. And saved people serve people so that served people can become saved people. And that's the goal. Jesus said this, by this will everyone know that you are my disciples, your love for one for another. The difference that we can make is not a big banner that I put up and I display and say, hey, God loves you. The biggest display that God loves you is the way that another Christian treats another brother or sister. By paying for lunch, by showing up in a crisis like we learned last week. That's the greatest example. And that's what Christ wanted. After all, who wouldn't want to be a part of a group of people like that, that just care for one another, that just show up in difficulty. And that's what we're called to do. But here, Jesus does something so profound. The scripture lets us know some of the details surrounding this passage. Jesus is about to die and go to the cross. And so this is one of his final moments with his disciples. And you would think final moments are a big deal. I would imagine many of us in this room, if not all of us, have experienced the loss of a loved one. And there's something very important about those final moments. Whether that loved one can speak or cannot speak, but to be there in that loved one's final moments. There's something about trying to race across the country when they've told you that the loved one doesn't have long and you're trying to catch a flight, trying to make it to the hospital just, just to be there. Final moments are important. So here's Jesus' final hours and what's he doing? He's at a meal and he's sitting down with his disciples and he's enjoying this meal with his disciples. And he's sitting there, but something profound happens. So let's set the stage for a second. I mean, Jesus here, I'm a visual learner. And so Jesus, he's, he's sitting there, they're having some food. And I just, I like that about Jesus, that many of the stories, he's sitting down and he's eating. I like that. He's just enjoying time with his closest. And he's sitting there and they're enjoying food. And then he notices something. Maybe it was the aroma, I don't know. But he notices the disciples' feet aren't washed. I mean, think about the detail. Jesus notices details. But it was customary in that day that the lowest ranking person would wash everybody's feet. But Jesus is in this upper room that they had borrowed. He had sent two disciples to go prepare the room to have that final meal. And so none of the disciples wanted to decide who was the lowest because Remember the argument that they had? Who's going to be the greatest? And then John got his mom involved to go ask Jesus. 
if they could sit at Jesus' right and left hand. So the disciples still haven't settled who's the lowest. So Jesus is sitting at the table. Nobody's willing to wash each other's feet because nobody wanted to be known as the lowest on the totem pole, the one that would serve everybody else. So Jesus does something and the passage lays it out for us. Jesus is sitting there enjoying the meal and arguably Jesus is the most important person in the room. Can we all agree? Jesus is the most important So he would be the person that would definitely not do what he's about to do because he's the most important person. Even the disciples know that Jesus is the most important. They would call him master. They would give him titles, rabbi. They knew Jesus is the most important. So that's what makes his lesson so much more impactful. The Bible says that Jesus pushes away from the table. He pushes back. That's what the verse literally says. Look at it one more time. The Bible says in verse number one, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on the earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas. Verse three, then Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from the father and would return to him. So he got up from the table. He got up. And all the disciples are watching this act of Jesus. What's Jesus getting up for? What's he doing? You see, Jesus wanted to make his final moments the most impactful, so he's going to do something. He's going to push away from the comfort. You see, if we are going to serve people and it's going to be impactful, it means I'm going to do so at the imposition of myself. Oftentimes, we're okay with other people being put out or impositioned, but as a Jesus follower, I'm the first to, first of all, to push away. I've got to push away from the table. If you're taking notes, I would love for you to write that first point down. It's that you and I, first and foremost, we have to push back because we have this, really this posture, and the posture is that we just recline and receive on a Sunday. And I know we have guests, and I know we got friends here, but I want to talk to those who call Southridge home just for a second. Because our church, we welcome everyone. We want everyone. But we also have a team of volunteers that make it a good experience. The worship team, the greeters, the cafe team, the ushers, the audiovisual team, the volunteers that come through the week, There's a whole slew of people that have decided that they are going to push back from their own time, their own comfort, because they're going to serve somebody else. They're going to serve and make this place exactly what it is that other people can encounter a life-changing experience. That's why there are people right now that instead of sitting in the comfort of this auditorium, they want to make sure your kids are safe in a loving, safe environment, that they're learning the truths of God's word so that you can have a distraction-free environment right here. And our Rich Kids director, Dinah, does a great job, but it takes people who are, first of all, willing to push back. But it seems like the posture of oftentimes of Christians is to recline and receive. I've been to an Ethiopian restaurant. Anybody been to an Ethiopian restaurant? 
Okay, all right. The food is delicious, and they have this sourdough bread, and don't get confused with San Francisco sourdough bread, okay? It's totally different. It's actually underneath the food, and everything is eaten with your hands, which is even more fun, all right? And then they have this room, and you can go. It's in Saratoga. It's a great little restaurant. It's not cheap, but you actually lie down on these cushions, and you kind of eat laying on your side or however you want to sit, and it was, a, it was an experience, I'll tell you that. I, 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 somebody else was like, we got to go here and try to eat the open food. And I'm down to try anything, okay? I, I, I'll do it, okay? You're going you're gonna to feed me balut, I'll eat it. Dinaguan, I'll eat it. I'm going to try it. Whatever you're going to feed me, I am down. I've tried it, okay? I was talking to somebody the other day. They said, when you travel international, do you try it all? I said, sure, I try it all. I don't know what it is. I just got this iron stomach, okay? I just, I, like, I don't necessarily always enjoy everything I try, but it doesn't mess me up. I, I, just, I just eat it, okay? All right. And I was sitting there at this Ethiopian restaurant, you know, and you just kind of recline and you just kind of eat. And I thought that can sometimes be our church experience. That you just come and receive. And I want to say this. I love everybody. And I always want you to be able to come and just receive. And I hope that you can receive. And I hope it's distraction-free. And I hope you enjoy the coffee. And I hope you enjoy the worship. And I hope you enjoy the message. But I want to say this. It's thanks to some people who decided to push back that we could receive. So I want to do this right now. If you serve on any team, I'm going to invite you to stand real quick. I just want to honor you. If you serve on any team, please stand. I want to honor you. Can we just thank these people that serve each and every week? Because of them. It's incredible what they do. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you. I know that was the most awkward thing about your day, wasn't it? You were like, that was awkward. I hated that. I know. But you need to know that we appreciate you and that we see you, that we're grateful that you're willing to push back. And it may not be every week that you push back from the table, but that's the model that Jesus did. He first pushed back, and he decided to change his posture You see, his posture was to simply say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to push back. I I don't want to just always receive, but I also want to bless. So his posture couldn't always be to recline and receive. But then also we have a, a growing position in the church, and it's to consume and complain. And I want to guard against this in our church. As our church grows, I want to guard against this, that there could be a tendency that we just consume and then we complain. You say, what do you mean? Because we look at Southridge Church as a restaurant and not the family dining room. Or I could say this, your kitchen. At a restaurant, you go, you order your steak medium rare. If you order it medium well, I don't know why that cow died in vain, okay? Just what are you doing to it? Just medium rare is the way to go. Enjoy the flavor of the meat, okay? All right? And if you're vegan, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend. Let's have tofu, okay? It's all good, all right? So when you go, you order it, and it doesn't come like you want it. Sure, send it back. You paid for it. But if you come over to my mama's house, and you tell my mama when she asks you, how do you like your steak? And you say, medium rare. And my mama starts cooking for you, making the meal, and then she serves you. If you start to complain to my mama, she's going to go back over to the skillet that she just cooked it for you. She's going to grab it, and then she's going to walk over to you and say, now what was that comment that you had? Uh-huh. Yeah, wh- wh- what did you want to say now? Uh-huh. I'm being silly. I get it. But we all take place, and we all have a part in the family meal. This is not a restaurant. 
This is not a restaurant where you say, hey, I consume, I can complain because I left you a little tip. I nor God need your tip. And I don't mean to be mean. I know that comes across a little bit harsh, but I'm speaking to the family because sometimes people feel entitled because they say, I give a certain amount, therefore I feel entitled to be able to be not the right spirit towards a volunteer who gave up their time, who there are volunteers here who have not slept. They worked all night and now they're serving. There are volunteers who have had the most stressful, difficult week, and yet they showed up and they are smiling through it. There are volunteers who are going through the worst heartbreak. They are going through involuntary uh, divorce filings. There are people that are going through the loss of family. And then they show up and you don't even know that they're going through it. You have no idea because when you see them, this is how you see them. And they're not fake. They just love you and they know this is not a restaurant. This is the kitchen table. And at the kitchen table, sometimes it's a little bit crispy, sometimes a little bit underdone. And we don't complain. We're just like, ah, no, no problem. I got you. I got you. Let me help out. I want to make this because we're not here to consume and complain. We're here to say, thank you for serving. Thank you. And we're also the type that says, if I want to see this to be, be different, I can help out. I can make it. One of the things that I think happens at Southridge is when people see our church, sometimes people are impressed by what we do. So they think, oh, they don't need any help here. And there's nothing farther from the truth because there were volunteers that came in yesterday who gave up all day Saturday to get the place ready for Sunday. And they already worked a full-time job, but they want to serve us and the people that are coming. But then also, it's not just that. It's because our mission is leading people to find and follow Jesus. And so we have this culture that says we don't want to just consume and complain. We want to serve others and we want to make a difference. And we want to remind ourselves that the posture of Jesus was not about ourselves. It was about the other. So we want to serve one another. So if Southridge is a church you say, I want to be a part of and I want to, I want to, want to see it grow and foster it. Then I want to encourage you, join a ministry team. Get a part of what God is doing here. Have a part in this. And you say, well, I don't have a lot of time. I know all of us are short on time. But maybe you say, I can come during the week and serve. Or maybe you say, I can show up once a month and serve. But your presence makes a big deal to the people leading teams. To the people that are making a difference. And I'll say it like this. Our church is in a $12 million building project. We have nearly $2 million in the bank, but we still got $10 million to go to build that building. We can hire a bunch of staff, but what it's going to do is it's going to delay our ability to build that other building because we're trying to say we're going to do that project debt-free. But to do that means we actually rely on our volunteers. And nobody here is lazy. Everybody works hard and we're stretched thin. And so we rely on the volunteers because we're a family. We're not a restaurant. And we need people that will say, yep, I'll push back. I'll push back on, against the table. And sometimes what people don't understand is that is a sign of spiritual maturity. People might come to Southridge and say, well, I want to go to church. We, we go deep. We, you know, we just, we really learn the Bible and I want to, I want to learn the Greek and the Hebrew. And I just want to learn all about the Bible. I want to learn about these names. I even want to know about the maps and I I just, I just want to go deep. I love it when people want to study God's word and want to go deep. Can I tell you, when you mean deep, you're actually talking about maturity. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. Don't use the word deep and not define it. When you want to go deep, that means you want to be spiritually mature. I think that's easier for us to understand. Now, I've had three children. 
My youngest is seven. And so all of them are out of diapers. They're all out of bottle feeding. I don't have to wake up in the middle of the night. I don't have to, who am I kidding? I didn't wake up in the middle of the night. That was Jane. Anyway, I, I, I uh, uh, you know, we're, we're past that fun phase, okay? I get my full eight hours of sleep. It is, it's great. It's a whole lot easier now. But you would call child protective services if I did not make sure my kids were fed, changed, and got everything they needed. But you would not criticize me if I didn't take care of them. You see, it's, it's a mature thing for me to care for those that can't care for themselves. That's a maturity thing. When you started seeing your children get older and they started caring for the younger ones, you said, oh, they're getting mature. They're growing. When I see someone in the church joining a ministry team, I say they're growing. They're looking to serve. Now, the church isn't the only place we serve people. I get it. There's Teen Challenge, there's other places, there's homeless shelters, there's food shelters, there's battered women's shelters. There's all kinds of places to make a difference. I'm just trying to get you to see that you and I, we're here to change the city, and we don't just do it in these four walls or this round dome. We're here to make a difference, and to do that, we've got to do something, and it's going to take a little bit of extra time. And we're not going to change a city with our spare change and spare time. We've got to step back and say, I want to be a part of making a difference. And so to do that, here's what I'm willing to do. I'm going to push back. But then Jesus does something else. He didn't just push back. The Bible says that he put on. It says he grabbed a towel, and the Bible says he wrapped himself up in a towel. I love this because the Bible talks about in in later New Testament writings that Jesus left heaven to come to this earth, and he put on flesh, and it became low. Jesus was willing to put on humility. And I think that's the greatest, most impactful thing that Jesus did. Here's the Savior of the world putting on and then willing to wash some disciples' feet. I don't know about you, but I think feet are kind of nasty. I don't want to see feet. I don't like going to the pool. I don't like going to the beach and looking at people's feet. Some people got gnarly feet, like just, just feet that you ain't trimmed your nails in so long. Like you need to scrape them against rocks or something. Get those things that go down or something, like trim those bad boys. Like you think you Wolverine or something? Like what is going on, you know? And yet Jesus was willing to put on a towel and then go one by one to these disciples' feet and then start washing them. But just... Think for a moment. What type of footwear are they wearing? They're wearing sandals. They don't got no Nikes on. They don't have Yeezys. They don't have anything nice. What they have is leather sandals. They're sweaty feet in leather sandals walking through dirty streets and those same streets don't have a street sweeper cleaning up from all the camels, the mules, the horses, and the donkeys that have been walking through those streets. And they've been walking through those streets. And now here's Jesus. And Jesus says, give me that foot. Come on, Simon. I'm going to wash your foot. I think that's the most beautiful thing that Jesus ever did. That Jesus was not above washing his disciples' feet. That he said, I'm going to serve and I'm going to show them. And so he was willing to put on this humility. You see, serving moves us beyond ourselves. 
When you serve somebody, something significant happens. All of a sudden, that person realizes that you don't just say that you care about people. They realize that you really do care. You've heard the adage, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And how do they know that you care? By what you do for them. I want our community right here to know that Southridge Church cares about them. So that's why we will open the building. We'll show a movie night. That's why we're going to make sure there's free coffee. That's why we make sure there's free donuts. That's why we invite people. That's why we'll do things to say, community, come in here. We've got groups that will ask to rent the building. We'll say, come on in. We don't want to charge. We want to make this facility available. We want to serve people. And then we want to say when they ask, why are you being so kind? Because Jesus is kind. Jesus is loving. And if you don't know him we want you to know him this is why we do it because we want them to scratch their head and wonder why are there people that are this nice and they not asking for anything in return I like to say it like this there should be no strings attached sadly today there's a lot of strings attached when people do good deeds sadly maybe you've done a good deed for somebody and they come back and and you're like why did I even try but yet Jesus, he gives this example. And maybe you, you would say this, well, I, 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 I have some excuses. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough talent. And I don't have enough training. Can I tell you something like this? I know you think you and I don't have time. But maybe you say, hey, it's just an hour and a half once a month. Just an hour and a half. And volunteer to go serve some children. Sometimes they need somebody to just help check them in. Sometimes they need somebody just to show up and just say, hey, I'll learn to run the lights. I'll learn to move a camera. Hey, I'll learn to sing in the worship team. I'm still waiting for Angel to let me sing. He keeps saying no. I'm saying, I'm volunteering. Come on, I push back. I'll put on the robe. Let me sing. Come on. I sound great in the shower. And he said, keep it in the shower. I'm saying, you're mean. Go find me a new worship leader somewhere. Selena or something. But you and I have to step back and say, I can't give in to the excuses about time and my talent and my training. We do something called just shadow it one week. Don't commit. Just shadow a ministry for a week. Go up to Alvin and say, hey, can I, can I, can I usher for one week? Can I be an usher? Show me how it's done. I know sometimes he looks intimidating, you know. He used to be in the military. And he's still got that. That's good. But that, that, that time... He'll train you. He'll get you set so you don't have any excuses. And I love this. Serving makes us stronger. It feels good to serve somebody else. It's amazing when you can serve somebody else. A couple of years ago, we did a backpack drive. I think this was right after COVID. And we were doing a backpack drive. And we would have people register online. And we would ask them to attend a service so we could tell them about Jesus and his love. And we would have people park far. And there was a young man. He showed up. And I think Selena or one of the volunteers was checking him in and saying, hey, did you come with any family? He said, no. He said, I heard the church is giving away backpacks and I don't have any money for a backpack, so I just showed up on my own. And he walked in, sat in the service, and got a backpack. And I said, that's beautiful. Here's a person that came on his own, just a teenager, 
And he said, I needed a backpack. And our church was able to save him a little bit of money so he didn't have to pay for it. I didn't know if he had the money. But if a church can then provide a backpack, now he's got this connection that, hey, the church does good. Because there's a whole lot of times the church is known for doing a whole lot of bad. And so it's up to us to say, let's change that narrative. Let's change the perception where people look at Southridge Church and say, there's a place that'll help you. There's a place that cares about you. There's a place that'll go above and beyond to serve you. And then lastly, I love this. Verse number five, it says, and he poured water into a basin. I love this analogy because I think it's this metaphor for what Jesus is about to do on the cross, that he was about to pour out his life. I will say this, there's a cost to serving. There is a cost. There is. There is a trade-off. I've spent 17 years in ministry. My dad was a pastor. The last thing I wanted to do was be a pastor, guys. I told you my dream was to have a ranch in Carmel and have Welch's grape juice vineyards. I wasn't allowed to drink growing up, so I was told my dad it'll be, it'll be juice, grape juice vineyards. And that was my dream. Because I saw all the ugly side. I saw my dad get sued. I saw people walk in front of our church with a shotgun. I saw in the courtroom people would point fingers at me and say, I hope you die. And I was like, why are people so mad at me? I'm just a little kid. My dad did it. I didn't do anything, you know. And I've seen the ugly side. I've seen people say nasty things, seen people write things. I've seen people accuse me. I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff. And yet I still have seen the goodness of God through it all. And I've still said it's worth it when one life is changed. That's what it's all about. One person. If we just change one life, that's it. Our church is coming up on 10 years. And we're going to celebrate more than just one life changed. More than just two. But it's been because we've said, you know what? I'm willing to pour myself out. And I've seen some of you serve. And you think, man, why am I doing that? It's difficult. It's hard. And then I go with this. Jesus washed dirty feet. And I think too often we miss that. And the point is this. People that, does, does, that need it the most often deserve it the least. The disciples had dirty feet, but they didn't necessarily deserve the Son of God to wash their feet. But the people that need it the most deserve it the least, so we should still do it. And sometimes we see people in our community, and we say, man, they got a, I don't like their attitude. They seem entitled. And we have to say, you know what, who cares if they seem entitled? Who cares if we think they deserve it? We're here to just love and serve. That's who Southridge is. And that's who I'm calling us to be in the next decade. That's who we've been, and that's who we're going to continue to be. And so if you're here for the first time and you're like, I think this message is more him talking to the choir. That's exactly what it is. I'm trying to let us know that we're not moving from our mission, that we're just here to care for our neighbors. And that costs us. Yeah, we could have more money in the bank, but we decided each year to pour back into our community. Tens of thousands of dollars right back into the community. Tens of thousands of dollars worldwide missions. That we just say, we're, we're pouring it back. It's not just about us. It's that we've got a job to do. 
It's that I'm brokenhearted when I look at the plight of our city and I'm not gonna wait on government to do it. I'm gonna say, what can we do? And if it just starts in our neighborhood, then we do something right here in our neighborhood and we take what we can and we will partner with Pay Specific Autism for Education. We will partner with Foster the Bay who does, deals with foster kids and helping foster kids get into good, safe homes. We will partner with these places that make a difference right here in the Bay Area. Because we're not just going to be here and somebody think, oh, what happened to that church that they moved location to location? Did they ever have an impact? I want people to know that that place made a difference. That if we were to close tomorrow, people would miss us. And that's the question we need to ask ourselves. If Southridge were gone tomorrow, would somebody miss us? I hope people would say yes. Here's the bigger question. If you were gone tomorrow, would somebody miss you? And I want you to think on that question. What kind of impact is your life having? What kind of legacy are you living? And are you leaving? Because we're called for such a time as this to make a difference. And there's a lot of things that you and I can do But I want to challenge you that when it comes to serving, it's not an imposition. It's an invitation. And some of you look at serving as an imposition. And I'm telling you, it's the greatest invitation. It's exciting where my life has taken me because of the invitation. I'm telling you guys, I don't know what my life would look like if I hadn't have stepped out and said, God, okay, let's start a church. I don't know what it would be like. I wouldn't have gotten to meet you guys. I wouldn't see some of you have connected to each other. I wouldn't have seen God do such amazing things. But it started because we decided that this is not an imposition. And as Christians, we don't do it for each other. I do it for him. And when I do it for him, it's not an imposition. What a great privilege that I get to do it for God. So this is an invitation. I want to close with this. My dad was a pastor, like I told you. And I grew up in the days of Sunday school. Okay, you'd get to church at like 9.15 because you'd have a Sunday school lesson before the main service. And church for me was a big ordeal. This is a kind of all-day Sunday thing. You go to Sunday morning, you go to Sunday night, and then you'd have midweek. So we called it three to thrive. I, I, I don't get it, but man, I was in church so many days every single week, and I was always at church. I probably heard my dad uh, preach over a couple thousand messages in 10 years, 18 years that I was home. But the most impactful sermons were not the ones my dad preached. It was from ladies like Debbie Kellerhals and Barbara Church, who are my Sunday school teachers. Those ladies who each and every week would come in early, prepare a lesson, make a little craft, and we would sit there, and I would listen to a Bible story, and then I had a star chart. You have a little star chart. You put your, your stars in if you memorize the verse. You get a little sticker of the, the day story and put it on there. And the, it was outlined where the sticker goes. And man, I didn't miss a week, y'all. My sticker chart was filled in perfectly. Not one week I didn't miss. Perfect attendance, okay? Because 
Man, my parents are like, you're going to be there. Never miss church. I can't remember my dad's sermons. And don't tell my dad that. That may hurt his heart. But I can still remember those Sunday school lessons. And though it's been years, because I remember the act of service that it took. Because who wants to teach a bunch of second and third grade boys, rowdy boys on a Sunday morning after they just had donuts and tried to sip some nasty coffee? Our coffee's good. Back in the day, it was, you had that round silver dome thing. You just pour a little coffee, man, and they just didn't know how to measure how much Folgers to put in it. You're chewing the Folgers if that's how much they put in there. That's good coffee. Man, you wake you up. And I just remember those teachers being so patient. I'm serious. I, I can't imagine what it was like. But I'm so thankful for those people that served. Here's what I want. I want people as they grow up to think about our church and not remember the name Micaiah Ermler, but I want them to remember your name. Because it's not about me. Because I don't want you to just go to church because the church is not a building. The church is a group of people. See, ecclesia, the called out assembly. And I want them to think Southridge was the best because of that person, because of that woman, because of that man, because of that teacher, that life group leader, that usher, that cafe worker. That person made all the difference. So this Sunday, I want you to join a ministry team. I really do. I'm going to invite you to pray about where you can be a part. Because I think all of us can say, yeah, where, where can I use my talents? Where, where can I make a difference? And maybe you're already serving. Thank you. Thank you. But if you're not serving, I'll be honest with you. Our team could use the help. We have people that they serve every single Sunday and they do it with joy. But what ends up happening, it's they start to get burnt out. And sometimes they can get a little bit bitter. And they don't mean to. They just see people always receiving. And we want to make sure that they have the help. And so if you'd like to, we'd love to have you. We'll train you. We'll equip you. And so you can use a connect card and say, yeah, contact me. I'd love to help. Let us know if you'd like to be an usher. Let us know if you have musical talent. I'm kidding. I don't. But if you do, man, we'd love to have your help. You see, I could jump on a camera. You say, I can help during the week. Our church, if we're going to continue to grow, it's because we need volunteers that will help. Maybe you say, I would love to help teach kids. Our kids are all, all our kids teach are all background checks. So just, just make sure that, that you know you can pass a background check. That's all I got to say, all right? I just don't want you to, to get, get all awkward or, you know, well, something comes up. Yeah, we, we're going to fingerprint you and life scan you and just so you know. Kids, we protect those kids, all right? That's the future. They're a big deal for us. All right, let's stand, church. Let's wrap this up. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the example that you gave us. 
Lord, there, there was an outpouring of your spirit where you just poured out, you cared about others and you served. And you didn't have to, you were already about to die for all these disciples, but you wanted to give them one last lesson of pushing back and serving others. And so Lord, I just thank you for that example. I pray that we as a church body, that we would remember that it's our privilege to serve. That the greatest impact we can have is serving somebody else. And it's not an imposition on our calendar, but it's an invitation to our calling. And I pray that you would just stir up those that they enjoy this church, they love it, they're a part of it. That they say, yeah, I can, I can help lighten the load. And I pray that you would bless them. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing here. I'm humbled by it. I'm overwhelmed by it. And so, Father, I just ask that this next decade be marked by a church that loves our city and our community because we do believe the best is yet to come. And we're excited for the future. Pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, right before you leave, uh, audio team, why don't you cue the music because I'm gonna give them a, fa- a final announcement. You can already cue the music as we walk out. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to come back next week. Don't miss our 10-year anniversary, all right? But don't come by yourself. We're gonna have an amazing time and I want you to be a part of it. So don't miss out next Sunday, 10-year anniversary. It's gonna be huge. Also, we're doing baptism next Sunday. If you haven't been baptized, next Sunday, that's the Sunday to do it. All right, God bless you. You're dismissed. Say hello to somebody. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If this message inspired you and helped you, we would love for you to hit like, subscribe, or share it with someone today. Until next time, have a great day.